This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 571 This episode was pre-recorded. Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Let's all take our seats. It's Crisis 307, The Underworld is Unleashed. This is how I got my wife to read comics. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or you can subscribe with your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. We're taping in advance as we cover DC's crossover events. In 1995, DC decided that the balance of power between heroes and villains was too great and created a concept where villains could get a power-up. Over the course of nearly 60 years at that point, DC had created hundreds if not thousands of bad guys, many of whom were considered C or D level, basically a guy or girl with a gimmick. Condiment king. Yeah, they were mostly ignored or parodied in modern comics, and this was a chance to rehabilitate them. Underworld Unleashed was a three-issue miniseries which flowed out to the rest of DC's main line. It introduced Neron, a powerful demon who, like many demons, traded wishes for souls. Neron decided to concentrate on supervillains and a few heroes, as we will see, but let's go to class. Underworld Unleashed, number one of three. Story by Mark Wade, pencils by Howard Porter, inks by Dan Green, letters by Chris Eliopos, Colors by Rick Taylor, Separations by Heroic Age, Assistant Editor Ali Morales, Associate Editor Ruben Diaz, and Editor Brian Augustin. We kick things off with the poster children of D-list villains. Again, at that time, Flash's Rogues Gallery, Heat Wave, Captain Cold, Mirror Master, Captain Boomerang, and Weathered Wizard, all of whom depend on some sort of gimmick weapon. Without it, they're just guys in goofy costumes. Each is offered something by Abracadabra, who is now working for someone else. That something is respect. All they have to do is cause fires at a few set locations, which they do. The fires mysteriously rage out of control, and the rogues are consumed by them. Heatwave, 1963 to 1995. Captain Cold, 1957 to 1995. Mirror Master, 1959 to 1995. Captain Boomerang, 1960 to 1995. Weather Wizard, 1959 to 1995, RIP. Don't worry, they'll be back. Meanwhile, on the JLA Watchtower, the team sees the fires and rush to put them out. Martian Manhunter, Wally West Flash, Fire, Nuclon, Crimson Fox, Blue Devil, and Wonder Woman. The latter two, with their mystic upbringing, recognize a pattern of the fires. They form a pentagram. The fires have released Neuron upon the world. Cut to another rogue, the Trickster, now reduced to the point of ripping off a food delivery guy. 
He sees an article in the paper about the league cleaning up the rogues' mess and wondering why they all wasted their potential. They knocked over jewelry stores and pestered the Flash. He decides to start looking for a big score. Cut to Belle Reve, home to a supervillain prison where a series of events, orchestrated by Neron, ends in a massive prison break with 142 escapees. Meanwhile, Trickster teams up with obscure Flash villain Rainbow Raider, Raider, plus a lot of other villains, received a mysterious black candle with instructions to light it that night at midnight. It would then open the door to fame, power, and glory. Trickster was left out, but he did uh, bait and switch, leaving Raider with a box holding a rubber chicken. Trickster follows the instructions and is transported to a barren landscape filled with DC supervillains. He takes note of several in particular, Prankster, Crazy Quilt, Dr. Spectro, which I don't even know who that is, Metallo, Helgramite, Killer Frost, Blockbuster, Gorilla Grodd, Copperhead, and Cheetah. Before a fight starts, Neuron introduces himself and mentions an irresistible offer. They ask for his references, and he introduces his counsel, Abracadabra, Luthor, Circe, Polaris, and Joker. Only Fiddler seems to recognize the level of the threat, noting that the Hebrews took the number 666 from the name Neron. Neron begins his sales pitch, noting that each of them have been kept in check by the heroes, but that he is here to change that. He offers them what they crave most in the world and the ability to achieve it with ease, and all they need to give him in return are their souls. Mongol attacks, you dare refer to me as a failure? And Neuron slaps him aside. Now, who wants to bargain? We see various responses. Very happy as I am. Believe you own me anyway, really. All due respect. Count me out. And those that refuse are spirited away. Blockbuster wants to be smart again. Copperhead and Killer Moth don't want to be jokes anymore. Almost two dozen agree to the deal and they get their upgrades with new bodies or additional powers or augmented powers. Neron tells them to go take their vengeance, leaving Trickster, who Neron actually wanted to meet. Really, how well do you think a paramecium like the Rainbow Raider would fit in here? There's one final guest. Blue Devil is brought in, and he might be interested in a deal. Underworld Unleashed number two, with one change in the creative lineup, Dennis Janke is now on Inks. We pick up with Blue Devil, who wants to be a movie star instead of the stunt performer he is. Then he can make his best friend and producer, Maria Bloom, his partner in showbiz. Neron promises this if he will destroy an unmanned power station in the middle of nowhere California. He figures, what could it hurt, and does so, but waits to report back. Meanwhile, Neron leaves his council to run some errands, asking them only to keep an eye on the newly upgraded villains. At this point, we learn what they got in return. Kadabra got real magic, not just future science. Luthor got renewed youth. Polaris an end to his dual personalities. Cersei enough power to defeat Diana. And Joker, Cuban cigars. Trickster is told separately to keep an eye on the rest of the group, which they don't take well, torturing him for info on Neron. He tells them he gets his power from the Soul Jar. Meanwhile, in Central City, Wally Flash is running ragged, stopping fires, only to run into Neron, who has an offer for him. He will bring back Barry, long dead as of this point, in return for his soul. Wally refuses, and Neron says, that's fine, as he has sight set on a far purer soul than yours anyway. 
back to the council trying to figure out how to break open the soul jar and divvy up the power for themselves. Meanwhile in Gotham, Bruce is returning to the cave trying to figure out how the villains got so much power when he's met by Neron. Bruce's offer from Neron, bringing Jason Todd back to life. Bruce sees Jason in the shadows but refuses the offer. In Honolulu, Superboy, the Connor Kent version, is offered the role of Superman. No dice. We get a double splash page with other heroes. Guy Gardner, who is half alien at the time, Captain Adam, Lobo, Damage, and Max Mercury, all of whom turn him down, and Hawkman, the Spectre, Triumph, not the insult comic dog, but a weird 90s hero and JLA member that the world forgot, who do accept the offer. Cut to Nowhere, California, where Maria Bloom is doing location scouting via helicopter. They crash due to the lack of lights on the power lines because Blue Devil destroyed the power station. Devil sits watching the news coverage as answering machine messages pour in, offering him big deals. Cut to New York, where JL Kyle Raynor is trying to stop a violent clash between police and a homeless community when Neron swoops in. His offer, bring back Alex, his dead girlfriend, and the source of the fridged girlfriend meme. They duke it out, and Neron explains why he's doing this here on Earth, because the souls are so sweet, the hero-villain range so great. Kyle gets the crap beat out of him by Neron, who repeats that he's set his sights on someone more noble and someone he knows. Back to the council, furiously trying to break open the soul jar. It finally breaks, but drags all but Luthor and Joker into it instead. That just leaves the two of them in a treasure of Sierra Madre scenario. Of course, Trickster knew this would happen, and Neron congratulates him on it. Up to the JLA Watchtower, where all the heroes are comparing notes. The world is going to war, and they are the final line of defense. It's announced that some heroes actually took Neron's offer, and we learn that the Ray in the room is one of them. So who is the most pure and noble, one Neron keeps mentioning? Superman seems to be missing. They decide to send a team to hell to save Superman, who they assume is there. Blue Devil takes them there. Spoiler, Superman is actually on an outer space mission in his title. DC is trying very hard to generate this red herring. Neuron watches this. Trickster realizes that Neuron is Satan and decides it's time to beat the devil. Underworld Unleashed number three with the same creative team. The team arrives in hell. The Ray, Firestorm, Captain Adam, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel with his arm in a sling, Maxima, GL Kyle, Martian Manhunter, Warrior Guy Gardner, and Wally Flash, and are quickly assailed by demons. Captain Adam and Firestorm protect their flanks, and the rest fight their way through to the actual levels of hell. Neron watches all this with Sentinel, G.L. Allen Scott, as a prisoner. Satanus, another demon, is about to be destroyed when he gives Neron an offer for info on his sister Blaze, and we learn Neron can't resist a deal. Trickster watches all this from the shadows. Satanus mentions that there is a word that, when spoken in this place, would give even Neron pause, only to be vaporized. Trickster sees an opportunity. The hero squad continue the fight, seeing old compatriots and enemies losing parts of themselves. Back on Earth, the blue and gold team fight a sudden famine on Metropolis. Triumph, Mystic, and Gypsy, I'll take obscure 90s heroes for 100, Alex, fight living gargoyles in Paris. Black Condor, Damage, and Green Arrow protect an armory from a militia group. Not sure how that's hell-related. 
A group of D.C. sorcerers in San Francisco try to reopen a door to hell. Villain sees a truck with nuclear weapons in Gotham, only to be stopped by Batman, Robin, Huntress, and Black Canary. Back in hell, the hero team is being enticed by whispers in their mind, with Captain Marvel leading them to the light. But by this point, most of them are giving up. Superman is nowhere to be found, of course. Only Blue Devil, with nothing to lose, makes it to Neron. In return, Neron roasts him. The rest attack, with Billy demanding to know where Superman is being held. Neron says it's not Superman he was going for. It was Captain Marvel. The other heroes, now controlled by their darkest sides, attack Captain Marvel. Blaze, in chains, supercharges Cap to give him a fighting chance, but it's clear the only way he can win is to kill the others. Throughout all this, we keep cutting back to Earth and how things have really hit the fan there. Blue Devil resurfaces, he can't be killed in hell, apparently, and keeps Neuron occupied as Trichter gets to Cap and tells him about the secret word. Shazam! It breaks the spell on the others, Sentinel breaks free, and they all attack Neuron. Trickster tells Cap of the rest of the plan, offer his soul to Neuron if he releases the others and his grip on Earth. Neuron can't resist a deal, as we've learned, and says sure. Unfortunately, it doesn't take because the offer was given on a purely altruistic basis. Cap's soul is still too pure for Neuron to handle. I know you, you arrogant mook. You won't pass on a deal, even a bad one. Don't look at me. You made the rules. Neron has to honor the deal, and the heroes are sent back to a now safe Earth. Trickster sneaks off, realizing he may need to consider joining the side of the angels, since he really doesn't want to go back to hell. The other problem, the villain power-up stayed in place, which will make the DCU a lot more dangerous for years. Speaking of that... There were a lot of tie-in issues throughout the DC line defining these new upgraded villains. In Adventures of Superman number 530, Helgramite has now become an inhuman monster and Superman is off-planet. In Aquaman 14, Major Disaster went from being a has-been to controlling people's destinies. In Catwoman number 27, Grodd has his intelligence back and runs into Selina. In Damage number 18 and 19, Copperhead is now an actual snake-human hybrid and not just a guy in a costume. In Detective 691 and 692, a new female spellbinder accepts Neuron's offer, getting sophisticated illusion powers. In Flash 107, Shadow Thief can now transform other people and things into shadows. In Green Arrow number 102 and 103, a South American warlord becomes the god Tezcatlipoca. In Green Lantern 68 and 69, Kyle Rayner and Donna Troy, a dark star at the time, battle an upgraded Freeze and a new villain, Purgatory. In Legion of Superheroes number 75, Kronos has gained the ability to send his soul through time, although it ages him to do it. In Robin number 23, Killer Moth has become Chiraxes, a human-insect hybrid. In Starman number 13, Dr. Phosphorus has become supercharged. And in Steel number 21, Metallo can now reform his body using nearby metal. In our next class, we enter the final night. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. 
follow us on Twitter at SFPPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFPPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.